Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So when you got divorced, why did you feel that way, though? Because, because you or other people were making you feel like, oh, Heather, you're divorced. That's not good. Because me. All I was born to do was to have a family. When you get divorced, that's taken away from you. I chose him not because he was the love of my life, but because he was Mormon. He was Mormon. My husband left me after 11 years of marriage, and he said he didn't want to be married to me anymore. And I really resented him for leaving me because I felt like my entire life I had curtailed my natural instincts in order to achieve this family and this marriage in the temple and these children, and I had given up a lot. And now he was saying he was giving up a lot. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, recapping Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. You guys, I'm loving this. I, you know, is it fair to judge a franchise by three episodes? I don't know. Probably not. But I have to say, we've gotten three very solid episodes and it feels, here's why I think I'm enjoying it so much. I fancy myself as somebody who is at the graduate level when it comes to housewives. Doctorate, I'm not sure because I don't really often go back to watch the seasons. I've been doing it more this year, but for the most part, I don't dip a toe back into the waters. I will say, though, that this franchise is like taking the kids gloves off. It's like going into, it's like as if I were a kid who was smart enough to skip a grade, 
and I was just so bored. Like I, you know, I'm like in the Beverly Hills class and I'm like, God, I'm so bored. What else can I do? I'm like acting out and being naughty and not doing my homework. And now I feel like people are actually appreciating the intelligence that I have and they're not playing with my time. And so now I'm like head first diving in and I'm loving it. I'm really loving it. I'm loving all the things that we are being exposed to. They're just like, they're not doing these long slogged out storylines. And I just like, I just feel appreciated as a woman, you know, I do. <laughs> well, let's talk about this episode. So Heather is planning a beauty lab baby, baby shower for her five employees that are all having baby boys. I think all of them, this is her first baby as well. Oh girl. No, thank you. She starts off by, I think she's in her house and she's bought them all these like Range Rover. They're not electronic cars. I think they're just the kind of things that you just like sit on and you like move with your legs. <laughs> I used to work with as a buyer for a baby store. And so you would think that maybe I would know what these things are called. It's just a toy, you know, it's just a toy. Um, all these the white Range Rover evokes it like, girl. Okay. Okay. So Jen Shaw comes again, another pair of impossible to walk in shoes. It's snowy outside. It's icy. She has to get her aunt to come escort her to the door to make sure she doesn't slip. Not the aunt that we've all been talking about, of course, but another aunt. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, Heather peeps us to some more Mormon game. And she tells us that there's a prophet that says there's no job that a woman can do outside of the home that's more important than the work that she does inside the home as a mother. And so basically you're a successful Mormon based on how perfect your kids are, how well you raise them and how good of a wife you are. And this really sheds more life into the Mormon mommy blogger boom, if you will. I don't, this it, it's the whole like MLM mommy blogger, I don't really, that's not really my thing. I don't really get into it because frankly, I don't have kids, so I don't care. <laughs> you know, like I, I really do not care. Um, but I get the basis of it, which is that they're always doing this. Like I'm so perfect. I have a perfect blowout, thick, long, healthy blonde hair this is how I make it work. Here's my morning routine, even though I've got Paisley, Payton, Parker, Petrosian, and, you know, Pirouette, and here's Baby Peanut on the way. You know, I get it. I think I've seen enough to know what I'm, what I'm talking about here. So, yeah, a lot of what Heather talks about this episode is basically just... You know, she, Heather's interesting because she is like, she is very smart. 
She's also very wounded and she's got all of these scars from the life that she used to have when she was married, the life that she's living now, how much of an outsider she feels because of that. And that sucks. It really sucks to watch her be, in my opinion, so insecure about her station in life. And while she's trying to help these girls and say, like, you don't have to subscribe to this, like, perfect mommy. I had the perfect, you know, birth story and my kids are sleeping through the night three weeks into it. And, you know, everything's great. My husband loves me. I, how am I bounced my body back? Like, that, that is very great advice. But behind that is a lot of pain and I really feel for her on that. It also explains why she's so sensitive about Lisa ignoring her and why she automatically assumes that Lisa treats her the way she does because she's divorced. I haven't really gotten that. And, you know, Heather does know more than I will ever because she's in that world. But I, I just, it was always interesting to me that that was her immediate go-to of like, oh, she must be treating me like this because I'm divorced. Ugh, interesting. So then we move on to Heather showing a picture of her daughter's birthday with Jen. And Jen's like, oh, why don't you have this picture blown up and framed and stuff on the wall? So there's a picture from like a themed birthday. She was like dressed up in like hot pink, like really cute. And she was like, oh, you know, this kind of happened around the time that I got divorced. And I just really kind of like stopped doing stuff like that. Like, I just stopped and basically you find out her husband left her after 11 years of marriage, told her that he didn't want to be married to her anymore. Like that was it. She, Heather says she resents him because she felt like her entire life, like I curtailed my instincts, like everything that was inherent to me, I completely stopped it in order to be this perfect wife and mom and now you're just basically kicking me to the curb. He just dropped her. Girl. She says she's the first person in her family on both sides to ever get a divorce. Again, another reason why she feels some type of way about this. So they tell her not to feel that way. And Jenna's like, okay, would it really have been better for you to stay in this marriage and be miserable? And Heather's like, 100%. A hundred million percent. This is a Jen that I really like. Jen was really kind, really keeping it real with her and not just being like, oh, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, you'll be okay. You're a strong woman. You're going to rise above, uh, you know, all that bullshit, motivational speaker, mumbo jumbo. Like, she was really keeping it real with her and being like, girl, like, that you were in a bad situation and you are so much better for it. And you need to be in the mindset of, yeah, you're so much better off now. And I, I like this Jen and I don't like the Jen that we see who very clearly is in the mindset of I'm on housewives. I have to create a storyline for myself. I have my whole staff of people who lick my butt and I just don't like it. I, there's a clearly like a real side to Jen. 
And I wish she would lean into that more. And I hope that something happens. <laughs> this sounds bad. But I hope, I just hope that something clicks with her. It's probably not going to be this season, but I hope next season she gets the notes and she understands, you know, she checks out what the fans are saying about the show, the viewers of the show are saying, because I think we would see a much more real side to Jen than we're getting. But this scene was actually really, really great. So then a producer asks Heather if she's ever been in love, love, and she's like, you know, uh... Like, I kind of had a crush on somebody when I was in a teenager, but he didn't like me back. So other than that, no, I don't think I ever have been. Jen then tells her, you should use this divorce as a way to, like, empower your daughters and let them see you be an example of you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to put yourself in a situation. Don't marry somebody just to marry them. And to live this picture-perfect life, like, let this be a lesson for them. And a good lesson. A positive lesson. Thank you, Jen. So to counter that, like, very deep and nice scene that we got with Heather and Jen, the next scene we get was a hot mess. Or maybe a cold mess, technically, because it starts off with Meredith turning on the blender to make uh, frozen margaritas with the top off. Babe girl okay so brooks her 21 year old son and chloe her 18 year old daughter chloe's in town from college to hang out with their mom jen comes over because jen says meredith and i like really bond with each other because our husbands are both gone they have their busy schedules and instead of getting mad at sharif i can just hang out with meredith because I have somebody to keep me company. So they're planning a like a 1920s flapper party or Whitney is, I guess. And but before that, Jen wants to plan like a sleepover, like a post flapper party sleepover with Meredith. So Jen says she's planning, uh, you know, facials and doing high kicks. And Brooks and Chloe are like, what are high kicks? Is that like a thing? She's like, oh, you know, like a, like a high kick, like a literal high kick. <laughs> um, so then she shows them what a high kick is. And for some reason, she keeps yelling grinder with every kick. So Jenna's wearing like a skirt. So she can't like kick normally. So she like, <laughs> she like cuddles up on the couch and almost goes into like a somersault mode and just like kicks. And it's like grinder, grinder, grinder. What? I was very, very confused about what was happening. But this is a moment where we all stop standing Brooks, right? Are we all on the same page about this? No, granted. Maybe there was something that we didn't see. Maybe the editors took out a scene that was much more scandalous than what we saw. But Brooks, he was like, it made me feel really uncomfortable that her vagina's in my face. I'm beyond shocked that my mom was around somebody doing that in front of her children. Brooks, you're 21. Your sister's 18. You did not see her vagina. 
you weren't even in the pathway of seeing her vagina. There was no risk there. She was holding her skirt so you wouldn't see anything. I do not like this, like, fear of a vagina. It would be one thing if she wasn't wearing panties and pop your pussy on a handstand in front of you, but that's not what's happening. And to act like, oh, I'm so scandalized. She's doing this in front of her. Won't anybody think of the children? <clears throat> okay, Brooks. Like, grow up. Grow up. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I, I I just, I don't like that whole, like, vaginas are gross. Ew, how dare you, like, uh, you know, I didn't see anything. And maybe there, again, maybe there was something that we didn't see. But I'm just basing this off the information that was before me. He didn't even come close to seeing your vagina. Calm down. You were 21. It, you can see a lady kick her leg up. It's okay. So, the next thing we have, Meredith, she's taking her 15-year-old son, Jack, and his mullet, to practice driving. This little boy is backing out of the driveway, and he tells his mom that he has a strong pull-out game. And I just need to know the legalities of repeating that he even said that, because, frankly, I don't need QAnon to come for me, okay? I don't need them running up on me. Anyway, Meredith is very my mom <laughs> when I was growing up because she basically turns a driving lesson into a way for him to do something for her. <laughs> uh, let's turn this into an errand for me. She's like, okay, we'll practice driving to the gas station. And once we get there, you're going to go inside and get me a Coke with lemon, light ice. Thank you. <laughs> Lisa loves her trash food. Like, I don't know people who are dedicated to gas station sodas, like those self-serve fountain sodas. Are they good? I know sometimes they hit different. You know what I miss now? Like a, a high C orange from McDonald's. Why did they take that away? Why did they do that? And is there ever going to be a time where we get that back? Like, can I talk to... The Biden administration, where does he stand on bringing back a high C orange? I, I would like that to be something that we get movement on in the first hundred days. Anyway, so later, Lisa and Mary go to dinner 
And, girl, can we talk about Mary's wigs? Because here's the thing. They're not cheap. This is not like a synthetic shake-and-go wig situation. They're clearly high-quality, expensive. But the thing is, like, she just doesn't... seems like she doesn't really know how to put them on properly and it seems like she also doesn't know how to do hair in general so when we see the wig it's like we're seeing like a tree like if you were to open up a tree and you see the rings so you're you're looking at history here right when I see her wig I'm seeing okay at one point this was curled she tried to flat iron it, but she didn't really flat iron the under part of it. So we're seeing a curl that happened a couple weeks ago. The f- very quick flat iron job that you're doing that you did right before you got here. I don't know if somebody took like a Fisker's child's size elementary school scissor to the top of it because it had had a chop. And there was, like, a very distinct, like, length difference in part of it. Like, maybe it had gotten too close to a heating unit or something. There were just several things happening. And if we could just even get it down to, like, two situations, I wouldn't have to say anything. I would want to. But I would let it go. But she's giving me so many things to look at that it needs to be addressed. Okay. It it stresses me out. This was actually a really great scene. A scene that I, having watched the first two episodes, I honestly thought Mary's going to really fuck this up for herself. She's going to ruin the whatever's happening with the church. She's going to lift the veil on that. They're going to oust her from the church. She's going to be a one season wonder. She's never going to keep it real with us. This blew that completely out of the water. I was dead wrong about Mary. I loved, loved the scene between Lisa and Mary. So she starts talking first about how Robert, her son, not grandpa Zaddy, is 17 now and he has a girlfriend and you know, they used to be so close, but now like he's getting older and he's got this girlfriend and, you know, they're not as close anymore. He doesn't want to hang out with her as much. And then they start laughing at her and they don't even like pretend like they have these. Perf- they're like, we've been married for 20 years, both of us, Lisa and Mary. We're not even, we're not going to be one of those people who pretend like everything is perfect. We've been married for 20 years. Oh my gosh, we love each other. We love our husband so much. No, girl, that's not the case. Mary says that she and Grandpa Zaddy have been so dedicated to Robert Jr. that they forgot their marriage and now they're like in a partnership. Nalisa asks, oh, so is it more like you guys are in a friendship? And she's like, no, partners, a partnership. So then Lisa is like, well, do you feel like maybe Robert has just gotten complacent over the years? And do you think like maybe if he thought that you were feeling a little bit shaky about your relationship and if you wanted out that 
he would make more of an effort. And Mary's like, basically like I'm stuck in this shit. She says, because our marriage was arranged, we have to make it work. And leaving is not an option. So I was right about this will situation. So the first episode, she said it was in my grandma's will for us to get married. But I think people thought they meant like it was a legal document, a legally binding document that she had to marry her grandpa's daddy. But this was more like this was forced upon me. This is a conversation that we had been having over the years and I just felt like I had to do it. So, Mary's grandmother made it very clear that she wanted Mary to take her place in the church and inherit everything. The homes, the money, and her husband. (laughs) So, this is also not the rosy thing that Robert said either, which was that, oh, my wife wanted, like, basically told me that I wanted one of my girls to take care of you when I'm gone, which is a very creepy thing to say. To be clear. <laughs> um, so finally she says, listen, y'all don't think that this wasn't weird for me. Mary and Grandpa's daddy. It, it was. Okay. Thank you, Mary. And now we've said it. <laughs> and now we've said it. I'm glad that she's not so delusional that she's going to act like this was something really ordained by God. And I love him so much. And no, it was weird. It was real weird. So then what does she say? She says, um, I did it because I trusted what my grandmother said to me and I'm glad I did. And then Mary also says that she and her mom ended their relationship when she was 19. So I was trying to figure out who, uh, Rosalind Roz was in this whole situation. And that was her mother. So they ended their relationship when she was 19 And that was the situation that made her realize, like, when something goes wrong, you just pick up the pieces and move on. She and her mom were super close, best friends. Her mom switched up on her and started getting greedy. And she says that her mom felt like she should inherit the church and Robert's, which is a whole other layer of yikes. So you felt entitled to everything that your mom built, including her husband. Oof. (laughs) So that leads to me to believe that there was some aspect of jealousy. Ugh. Can you imagine? Ugh. Yuck. Fighting with your mom. That your mom would end your relationship because she's mad. Ugh. That your stepfather is dicking your daughter down and not you. (laughs) I mean... Let's call a thing a thing, people. Oof. So we get Mary being interviewed by production in an interview, in a talking head. And they're like, did you have sex with him the night that you guys got married? And she was like, no, thank God I was on my period. And between you and me, like, I just kept stretching it out. I had that period for two and a half weeks, as long as I could push it. It was like, you know, it got to the point where I was just like, I need to pray about this. But you know what? It worked out. It worked out. Okay. Okay, Mary. So we get another scene of Meredith and Brooks talking. And again, this was the situation where I was like, this is weird for me. It was weird. So Brooks said he 
took the semester off when he found out that his parents separated and he also wanted to work on his fashion line. I don't believe that, but okay. Then he tells his mom, Meredith, how uncomfortable he and Chloe were about Jen kicking. Again. And Meredith's like, oh, you know, it was a surprise for me too, honey. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you had to see that. And Brooks is like, you know, that was really uncalled for. And Jen can act however she wants in her home, but not in this municipal building that we live in. And, you know, me and Chloe were in such an uncomfortable position. And I saw that parts of that woman that I never need to see again. Did you see her vagina for real or not? That's what I need to know. Then he tells Meredith that she's not allowed to go to the sleepover with Jen. (laughs) Because they want to spend time with her. And don't you want to spend time with your kids? And, you know, it's going to be Chloe's last night before she goes to college. And anyway, you're a CEO of Meredith Marks. You don't have time to go to sleepovers. I will be damned. (laughs) I don't have, like... My dad was not strict. My mom is, you know, we have a very chill relationship. But, like, I'll be damned if I tell my mom that she can't do something, that she's not allowed to do something. Like, that would never even occur to me. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. What? This is a very weird dynamic in which she, Meredith, is apologizing to her son and making, he's making her feel bad because of what Jen did or didn't do. That was just a strange dynamic to me. Like, who's running shit here? That's what I need the answer to. Go back to college, sir. Tell me what to do. <sighs> anyway, we get Mar- Mary and Grandpa Zaddy. They're in the kitchen, and Mary's decided to <clears throat> go the Darcy route with her hair system, which is just a Darcy from 90 Day Fiance, just to put like some kind of charm or headband on top of a very messy wig situation. Do like a low bun. And act like everything's okay, even though it looks like you probably slept in that wig. Just put it in a very lazy bun and then just popped popped a headband on it. Looked like a rat's nest. Anyway, um, they want to put Robert Jr. 
into a different school. They wanted to put him into a boarding school in L.A. Now, Robert Jr. is 17, which means that he's probably a junior or a senior. They say that the school he's in now is basically not doing him any favors. He's not thriving there, like, academically. They're not giving him anything, so they want to put him in the school. And I figure, like, whatever, I don't care. (laughs) I was going to go into this whole thing, but honestly, I do not care. It it seems weird to me that at 17 that they would want to put him in a whole different school, but what do I know? I really don't know. So he... Then Mary goes on to say that, like, after she got married, she basically had to get to know Grandpa's daddy because she didn't know him like that. And she realized over time that, like, he was the right match for her, which <clears throat> Stockholm Syndrome. And but once they had Robert Jr., they basically disconnected again. She says, I became a mom and he became Robert Sr., This sounds like, okay, so if he's 17, they've been married for 21 years. So she's saying that maybe it took, let's say it took a year for her to like really get to know him and come to terms with the fact that like this was apparently the right match for her. After Robert Sr. So we're talking maybe they had two years of a, out of 21 years of a good relationship. That's really bad and now she feels like there's literally no way out she's stuck in this marriage because really uh, this is dark this is real dark basically the entirety of the scene is uh mary telling robert jr asking him first do you want to transfer to the school we have found you school in l.a He's like, no, I don't want to be anywhere without my girlfriend. She's like, great. So you're going to the school in L.A.? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) That was about it. So then we move on to Whitney and her dad. They go to Mary's church with Meredith. So Whitney's dad, as we know, is working on his sobriety. And he's even thinking about going into a sober living facility. So Whitney told us last episode that basically... She's been taking care of him in every way possible, financially, emotionally, every possible way since he uh, fell into addiction. So she's kind of hoping that he finds a connection to Mary's church and reconnects with religion so that he can find, basically, they, it seems like they need a little bit of a break. She says she's basically been anchored with the responsibility of taking care of him. And she wants him to find a connection to somebody else. So this scene, like I grew up, the church that that I went to when I was born in Illinois was a Pentecostal offshoot church. So this was very much my childhood for me. I understand that this might be shocking or a lot for a lot of people. A lot of like mental stimulation happening, but like the shouting... The paper fans with those, like, popsicle stick-looking handles. You know, Mary calling people out, calling Meredith out and her dad out. And Whitney. um, And praying for them, praying hands over them. Like, this is all childhood for me. 
Whitney's dad is really feeling it. The wig is becoming sanctified. And that's all we'll say about that. (laughs) So let me move on to Jen. She's preparing for the 20s party. And she starts talking about her Shaw squad. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, I don't need the big glam teams. I don't need this, like, blur the lines between your employees and your friends and keeping, you know, they're supposed to keep you company while your husband's gone. And I I just, I don't need it. I don't need this. Jen says she got the text from Meredith as she's getting her hair and makeup done about Meredith saying that she is basically declining the sleepover invitation. And she's like, you know what? I feel disrespected. (laughs) Okay. I don't know if this is like that kind of party, but okay, Jen. Okay. So then we see Heather have her baby shower. And the names of the expectant mothers are exactly what I expected. There's a Whitney. There's a Bryn. Sam. Roxy. Jill. The oldest of these expectant mothers is 28. Okay, so Heather says, you know, I really want them to be realistic about what motherhood is going to be. So for some reason, she enforces an all white and gold dress code. And she's wearing a Louis Vuitton white leather fanny pack. Okay, don't ask me to make sense of that. That's her party. Jen shows up to the party. She must have murdered all of T'Challa's cousins, all his friends that he kicks it with, all everybody he went to school with. Feathers, feathers everywhere. Feathers everywhere. <laughs> Different kinds of feathers, a feather dress, a, a feather jacket. I mean, so many birds had to die. So many, you know? So... What happens after that? So Heather does a speech (laughs) and she starts to cry and she's like, you know what? I'm really horrified that you guys are pregnant so young, but it's fine because you're loved and supported. (laughs) This is for sure the same speech I would make. Like y'all are way too young to be doing this, but you know what? I love you anyway. (sighs) You child brides, babies having babies. So then we get Jen and Whitney and Heather talking as the girls are doing, like, their parlor game, baby shower parlor games. Jen's still pissed (laughs) about Mary's comment about her smelling like hospital. And Jen says, you know, being friends with Mary means that you have to deal with the Twilight Zone, like, every other day, but Mary knew how close I was with my aunt. And so that was too far. And I I totally, 100% understand where she's getting, coming from. Like, Mary can act all day like she has no idea why Jen is so upset about the comment she made, like, and that she has a dark past because all her odor glands were removed and she never wants to go to the hospital again. Okay, I get it. But the point is, she was at the hospital for a very emotional reason. And what do you, you know, like, did you expect her to respond well to it? And the fact that, like, your response to Jen finding out and confronting you about it, Mary, was to be like, who told you that? And why would they tell you that? Tell me who told you and tell me. And I want to know why they told you. Means that you know you fuck up. Okay? You know it. You know it. And she really should. And I know she did apologize. But I I think it's very clear that she still 
doesn't want to accept what she did and why she said it. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, so after Jen is going off, Whitney kind of low key defends Mary by saying, you know, I went to her church yesterday and it was just so beautiful and, you know, it was so great. And, you know, Jen is fine with that until she finds out that Meredith also went. (laughs) And then she's like, why would Meredith go when she knows I'm friends with her and she knows that I'm mad at Mary? Like, this is like a personal dig that Meredith is taking out on me. Is it? Is it? I don't know. I don't know if we need to do like sharks versus jets on this situation. Like, why is it okay for Whitney to have gone because she went with her dad and her dad needs help? But somehow Mary just, Meredith just tagging along is a betrayal of their friendship. And like the example number three of like, this is a storyline that is completely fabricated. I don't think she would really care. This is like a very much like a housewives thing. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. So Whitney says, I don't understand why Jen would care that Meredith went correct. And y'all, I swear to you, I thought Whitney said, (laughs) I thought she said there are no sides to Jews because Meredith is Jewish. And that's why she wasn't taking a side on Mary versus Jen. I had to go back twice and I realized she must be saying there are no sides to choose. (laughs) I was so confused, y'all. I was like, Whitney is not really saying this. Right? It still said sounded like she said Jews, honestly, but I'm going to believe that she meant to say Jews. Mm. So then we end on the Whitney's Whitney's twenties party, the flapper party. And y'all, I'm already so over Jen. Every outfit for these parties is a reveal. She has to come out from the double doors, like a scene from She's All That. And the glam squad is on the other side of the doors and they open the doors and they're like, oh my God, Jen, oh, you look so beautiful. I like your dress. Oh my God. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Everybody's on theme at the party, except for Meredith, who came in bell bottoms. <laughs> okay. So honestly, it's a good thing that Brooks didn't show up to this party because if he didn't want to see Jen's alleged vagina, then he sure wouldn't have wanted to see all these strippers busting it wide open on the pole. Ooh, he would have had a blown a gasket. Jen shows up drunk, ready to fight. She is, she walks in, she sees Meredith and Mary talking to each other and she is pissed immediately. And that's where we end the episode. I cannot wait to see what happens because the preview looks like Jen gets even more drunk acting a fool and gets kicked out of the party. And she's just screaming outside of that prohibition bar. Oh, I can't wait. All right, y'all. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. Bye.